What's the deal with these? Not they're delicious, that's what the deal. Oh, some, some, oh, I'm not eating a hot one, so if the light coloured ones are alright. They're, they're not that hot. Are you, you're not a spice. You're a spice man. You see, you're like a Tabasco king. I'm not. What? Maybe I just had you pegged as a spice man. No. You look like a spice man. Wipe that Dorito dust off your hands. Progressive Rugby League. Everybody, the slug here. How are you? And welcome to another week of rugby league. It's always a good week when rugby league's involved. Jono, how are you, sir? I'm very well. It's great to be back, and it's great to have this guy back. Big Al, he's back. I'm back, fellas. Thank you so much for for pulling the show together in my absence. It was I listened to it from afar. It was a fantastic episode, and I'm not too proud to say I'm kind of worried that it was better without me. Uh, I, I, so I thought uh, I'm never going on holidays ever again. It wasn't without you. It well, wasn't I, I, did, I did like the you know I was there in spirit, and you referred to me a fair bit. We sure did. So thank you for uh, maintaining my presence in the show. But uh, you guys, outstanding work. And, and you sent us a postcard from the Philippines, and uh, look, I could just feel the humidity listening yeah. to that. You, you took me right there. We we'll so. put it on the uh, PRL fridge that postcard. So thanks again. Well. It was a pleasure. But anyway, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to finally get some rugby league action. <laughs> First taste of the year. It was pretty exciting. And I feel satisfied. Well, I think I can probably guess what your reflection is, but mm-hmm. you go right ahead and give it to us. Uh, no, tell me what you think it's going to be, because I bet you that's not what it is. <laughs> if it's not the West, the fact that the West Tigers are on top of the table, then I'll you know, eat my rather large hat <laughs> well no it's not about that because I feel uh, wasting time wondering it, like talking about how marvelous that is is just wasted air because it's not going to last forever <laughs> so let's just move on I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that they're going to stay there although I did think it's, I was really surprised to hear that, that this is the first time in their history that they've hit the top of the table mm. I like as a massive fan I'm sure I can remember them being first for yeah. a fleeting moment in other seasons, like a well, big win up first up, up in round one or something like that. Yeah. When's the last time they had positive 42 point points difference too? Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a while, hasn't it? Mm. So anyway... You would think so, though, like when you win a grand final, I know like they finished fourth that year, I think, but surely winning a grand final shoots you to the top of the table like at the end of the year. You should start at the top, yeah. yeah that's true. Anyway. Actually, yeah, the Tigers always start in the wooden spoon position purely based on alphabetical order. It's not fair. Year. It's not fair. Anyway, so no, my reflection's not specifically about the Tigers being at the top of the table, but it does, the seed uh, of the mighty oak uh, that I'm about to hit you with mm. was, was dropped during the Tigers-Warriors game mm. when I was watching a, a clash between Mahi Fanua and uh, Bunty Afoa, two of the most spectacular heads of hair coming together at once. And they, they could have walked up and like, I don't know, giving each other a high five or whatever, but just the movement of their hair mm. made that clash seem massive. Mm. And it got me thinking about haircuts in rugby league in general. And I'm not going to go into one of those dumb segments about how dumb is this guy's hair, how dumb is that guy's hair. But there's no... With coaches controlling everything else about a team, like how they eat, how, how much sleep they get, you know, intermittent fasting, you can only eat between one and nine or whatever. Mm. Why do they allow players to have complete free reign over their hair <laughs> when in all, in all, like, in real facts, that could actually affect their performance? Yeah. 
Like, I don't know whether it's just having no hair makes you faster or having lots of hair makes you slower or it's if you've got long hair and it's braided or whatever, people can use it as a, um, a, a dirty mm. tactic to bring you down or whatever. But why is there... How come hair is, is the last untouched uh, territory of a player when it comes to um, coaches' direction? It must be on your mind as a player. So whether it's at the front of your mind or just subconsciously, to be wary of your hair and be protective of it getting pulled or whatever in tackles, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, you know, you're right. They're so regimented in their daily lives. I think, you know, it's good that the coaches can give them a bit of artistic expression. Also, like, things like body art. That's another way, yeah. place that, you know, coaches yeah, don't Yeah, but I can't, I mean, like, body art can't really, it can't change your, your physical presence at all. Right, Whereas, yeah. like... Big hair can make you look bigger, yes. Um, or a different haircut can make you look meaner. Or even if you're just trying to play, you got to take every advantage. Big hair can make a hit or a potentially illegal hit yeah. look a lot worse. Right. Who so, do you think? Oh, because it's flopping yeah, back exactly. all over the place. So you just make like think of you know the old Martin Lang style wobbly yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. It makes every single hit look spectacular. Yeah. And, if, and if it looks like it might be a bit dodgy, the right. But isn't throwback. that just his way of making the game more exciting? Yeah. Really. It's what, pretty, Martin Lang? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> Having an infirm neck. <laughs> who do you think will be the first coach? Because it probably will have one day who will determine that every player has to be totally shaved down for aerodynamic... Uh, I, reckon, I reckon it wouldn't surprise me if you had a coach saying, forwards, you're all growing it, yeah. backs, you're all losing it. And that's how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I reckon just from a, a sheer like, I don't know, intimidation point of view, it would look... To an opposing team, it would look, I don't know, I don't know if it's like intimidating, it'd look like something. It'd be something mm. distracting if the team had stylized hair mm. by, by playing position. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. You're welcome, coaches. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Look out for it. The trend of night of 2019, maybe 2020, is uh, regimented hairstyles across the team. I'd like all halves to have to grow their hair long enough to get a bit of a foreign top knot going. Mm. Yeah, that was something new, wasn't mm. it? Mm. I got some very interesting reflection there, Big Al. I, <laughs> I had a little surprise that you didn't go for the Tigers at the top of the table because it, it's a wonderful time of year, isn't it? For for most of us, we we support teams who are also rants. So this is like the time of the year where anything's possible. In reality, there's only a few teams that are really genuine contenders. But you know, at this time of the year, it might be because of the draw, it might be because you're, you're playing above your station. You've got you know the Tigers at the top, Parramatta second, and all of a sudden everything's possible. Dare to dream, <laughs> and you dare to dream, and it's pretty exciting because, like I say, we're all also Rans, but every now and then at this time of the year we can dream that we're Rans, not just also Rans. <laughs> we can be Rans. We can be Rans too. It's an exciting time. And, and speaking of NRL, if the Bulldogs, everyone's talking about the Bulldogs, how they're going to be uh, last at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and it got me thinking, what. And, and it's probably true because they have a pretty poor list. But for me, it doesn't necessarily lead that you finish last and have an unsuccessful season. Right. What other ingredients that make a, a successful season for the team coming last? I think you look at uh, the people who've perfected that over the last few years, the Newcastle Knights, your team there, Slug. Mm. They finished last a few times, but they were getting bigger crowds every year. You know, the, the community was getting behind them. So I just think uh, the Bulldogs... Yes, you might come last, but A, you've got the worst list, so set your expectations there, and B, you can still have a successful season. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point, and Newcastle have written the book on how this is done well, and it's basically, and I'm not saying what they've done is incorrect, Mm. but 
you have to acknowledge that you're in a terrible place and then blame yep. it on people who aren't there anymore. <laughs> Which right. is fair, but it's like, oh, Tinkler came and ruined it all and then Bennett ruruined it even further. It's exactly. a short-term gain. You just got to come out and say that. Yep. And I don't think they have. Like, if they just go, you know what, because Railing Castle's moved on yep. and Des Hasler's not there. Yeah. Castle buggered it up and Hasler gave us all the salary cap issues, both of which are in varying degrees true. And then just say, you know what, we've got this plan to get us out of that. You need to lower your expectations and you need to come up... See, what Newcastle did, they come up with a not just a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. They they said, (laughs) I'll take your five-year plan. We need two of those. And and that's that's what the Bulldogs need to do. need to lower everyone's expectations. They also need to, you know... You know, get behind the community. The community needs to get behind them. Mm. All that sort of stuff that Newcastle do so well as well. So yeah. you can still come last and have a great year. And I, you know, good luck, Bulldogs. I'll be keeping an eye on you. <laughs> uh, but my reflection, actually, uh, I want to talk about the nature of speculation and how it warps your sense of reality. So last week we were lucky enough to have uh, Stuart McCarthy, general manager of the Newtown Jets, on the show, mm. uh, who busted the myth of the eight thousand nine hundred seventy-two crowd figure that's announced. To much mirth every week at Hampson Park. Uh, now you can listen to the interview for the full story, but basically it started one rainy night at Redfern Oval, where there were about twenty people in attendance. Now, over the last ten years, I've heard many stories of how the eight thousand nine hundred seventy-two figure came about, and the one I ended up believing was the one how it was Newtown's last home crowd in the top flight. Okay, so what's the issue there? The issue is I was actually told by Stuart <laughs> the real story. About 12 or 13 years ago. So he was there, first-hand information. But the more and more I heard the other story over the years, I started to believe that. And eventually, (laughs) it became my truth. So when Stuart reminded me of the actual truth last week, I was shocked. That's scary. Isn't that scary? (laughs) It brings up so many issues about perception, memory, the nature of reality, and how easily your mind can be shifted by, Mm. by speculation. I mean, it's an important thing to remember in a sport such as rugby league. Uh, where gossip and rumour, uh, you know, can spread like wildfire. Oh, can they? <laughs> and it also comes to mind this week with the announcement that Ottawa was the location of choice for Eric Perez's uh, venture to join the RFL, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. But there was so much speculation as to the whereabouts of the potential franchise. It was in Montreal, it was in Boston, it was in Florida, and it ended up being seemingly between two cities, Jacksonville, Florida, and Hamilton, Ontario. And, of course, the final answer was Ottawa, which came as an immense shock. And, uh, I mean, once again, it's speculation that just warps the sense of reality. I was expecting one thing because of nothing, really, just because people were saying it. And all of a sudden, Ottawa comes up, and I'm totally shocked. So mm. it just got me thinking about how we, our minds can easily be shifted uh, just on the say-so of someone who said something based on nothing. Well, that, I think that really shines a light on the nature of rugby league journalism in this country <laughs> as a whole, right? Like, it's it's really based on someone, uh, you know, it could be a, a range of, of different sources saying something based on not really anything. We're then just mm. saying it really, really loudly and really, really often. Yeah. And the masses think that that's what's going on. It's quite scary, though. But, I mean, in the situation with uh, the 8,972 crowd figure at Henson Park, this was something I was actually told by someone who was there. It was first-hand information. And yet, over the years, I totally forgot about that and started believing the stories that other people were telling me. And that became my truth. That's just like, that's scary stuff. Like the fake story, or I'm going to say it's a fake story, but the incorrect story is way so much better. <laughs> so like, I can see why that would have become your reality because you wanted it to become your reality. I know. I wish it was my reality because it's, it's, a, it's a great story. But now I'm pretty scared because this is, you know, if I've 
forgotten that mm. fact. What, what other else? facts have I forgotten? What other better stories have you believed instead of the truth? Exactly. Yeah. So. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's ponder that for a little while later. Let's end to reflections. Uh, my reflection, fellas. Now, the slugs had his problems with rugby league over the years. Right. You know, I fell out of love with rugby league for a while there. If you want to hear more about that, go back to one of our earlier episodes, mm. Slugs Lost Years. But I'm back with rugby league and we're together, mm. so that's okay. But I do often wonder whether rugby league's doing enough to keep this relationship alive. <laughs> and, and the reason also, uh, sitting there watching bits and pieces of the NRL over the weekend, and I was watching the second half of that Panthers-Knights game. Oh, yeah. And um, it just, some of what I was seeing made me ask the question, where's the creativity gone? Mm. Where's the creativity gone in the NRL? Because I know the focus is playing the percentages and completing sets, defence, but why, why is there so much less spark yeah. these days in the NRL? It's, um, so many times teams get down into the opponent's 20 and just don't know what to do. Mm. <laughs> just do not what to do. And so I that Knights and Panthers game was a nail-biter, mm. mm-hmm. but I turned the last five minutes off because mm. I knew the Knights weren't going to win because I'd watched their last three sets and they were in the Panthers' territory and it was just second-man play, second-man yeah. play, pass, oh, 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 back this way, back that way. So my question is, where's the spark gone? And what, what's happened to set plays? Mm. Why aren't set plays happening much anymore? Yeah, besides the second man play. Besides the second <laughs> man play, which is which is a, uh, uh, John's brothers are to blame for that. <laughs> that was a Knights move. We used to call that a Knights move because the John's brothers, it was just their staple. Yeah. And then everyone's done it ever since as the default move. Mm. Where's your runarounds? Yeah, bring it back. Where's your, where's, your, where's your inside ball? Where's your shake and bake? What about the inside outside? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but just, just bodies in motion moving around. You, yes, teams do it, mm-hmm. but nowhere near enough as they used to. It's true. And what, so that's my first question. Second question, why don't people know what to do when they're near the <laughs> opposition's try line anymore? That's true. I mean, it, it's becoming increasingly difficult to score when you're in the opposition's 20 metre line and I think you know defences are you know saying you know what we're just going to lie around if we get penalised so so be it because yeah. we'll have we'll, a breath we'll do it all day that's right and, we and we'll talk to the referee and we'll say well, what was that for can you please mm. explain that and we'll get our breath back and then we'll be ready again we'll hold them down again and then the referee will give it an official warning say <laughs> you know if you do that again and then they're getting their breath back do you think that defence is so much better these days mm. that it just it, it, it kind of nullifies set moves a lot more than maybe defences of the past? I think uh, defence... Is defence better? I'm not sure. Wrestling is more effective. The mm. re- wrestling is making, you know, the game slower in general. So it's difficult to... I mean, you watch the, the Melbourne Storm. I saw the Melbourne Storm-Canberra game on the weekend. And this is a typical Melbourne Storm performance where they get out of the blocks... Uh, in the first 20 minutes and get to a get to a lead and, and play some sparkling sparkling rugby league and you think wow this is going to be something to behold and then they just kind of choke the life out of the game for the rest of the match <laughs> and they just know how to be clinical mm. and I think uh, yeah whether defence is better or not I'm not sure but the wrestle has made life a bit more difficult uh, for attacking players yeah mm. I, I would say you're right the wrestle slowed everything down but it's also the obsession with 
certain statistics. So in um, this aspect, it would be possession. So yeah. like statistically, the team that has the most possession is going to be the team that wins. Right. So therefore, teams are not allowed to do anything <laughs> that risks possession. And that's where your body's in motion, your fancy backline movements, your, yeah. your chip and chases and all that mm. sort of stuff come into it. So like that's why they, when they get into the 20, they don't do anything that is going to potentially risk possession. So it's better to have the ball and not do anything with it. Yeah, this is not this is this is their philosophy, <laughs> yeah. not mine. Although, we all know where I stand on this. Although I wonder if things might be changing because an interesting stat I heard over the weekend was that the team with the best completion rate out of the sixteen teams so far this year are the Bulldogs. So right. I wonder. So the idea behind the new refereeing edict is that let the game flow, bring fatigue back into the game. Mm. So uh, so these sort of uh, exciting creative things can happen. And the idea being that the little guys can come in and make exciting things happen, and therefore you can risk your chance your arm a bit more and score some amazing tries. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that could be a, a window into a, a new, creative, exciting future, hopefully. Do the Bulldogs mm. really have the highest completion rate so far? That's what I read. That's that amazing. is unbelievable. Yeah, wow. not, not, not doing much with it. All right, well, if you have any thoughts on some of the things we've been talking about in our reflections today, where's the creativity gone? Mm. You know, would you rather believe an interesting story than a real story? <laughs> or, and should players be enforced certain hairstyles? Uh, right in to our mailbag. Mailbag? Did I say mailbag? It must be time for mailbag. What do you got, Jono? Well, mailbag's full as usual. We got, uh, we got communicated to by a man called James Smith from Sydney. And he's the editor of Inside Sport magazine, a very respectable, very high-quality magazine. Uh, who got in touch after our interview with Stuart McCarthy and said, a very good interview with Newtown Jets general manager Stuart McCarthy. Oh, and great get with the Rabs interview too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's right. it's true that uh, the slug often surprises uh, Big Al and I at the start of every episode. We never know what's going to be at the beginning of each episode. As always, it could be just us riffing on dancing or snacks. It could be uh, an exciting interview that he's wound up, so... Yeah, look, sometimes, sometimes I'll just pull my black book out and I'll just, <laughs> right. you know, wave my finger around till it falls on somebody and I'll give them a call. Now, we did speak a bit last week about the name of this new segment. So it's a new irregular segment where we talk about uh, unique rugby league experiences. So we're going to go to different grounds, you know, a couple of times throughout the year just talking about unique rugby league experiences. At the moment, the segment is called Stadiums We'd Like to Visit One Day and or Have Visited and Suggest You Do the Same. <laughs> Uh, so we, we went out uh, to the audience to see if there was anything better. Uh, we heard from the Welcome to Television podcast. Thank you very much, fellas. Uh, they suggested Sacred Ground. That's not a bad one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, our friend of the show, Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, suggested Grounds for Optimism. Oh, that's I like very that. nice. Yeah, yeah. That's very PRL. And he also suggested Higher Ground, as in the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Um, and he sent a link to us of, a, of, the, of the Peppers doing a version of that song uh, on David Letterman. And I thought, you know, I could see us doing that, although I'd have to um, ask, I'd check with the wardrobe department because the Peppers doing that song, they were, you know, semi-naked, they yeah. were really buff. I'm not sure if we could Is that the one with the off. socks? The, the uh, interestingly placed socks? Um, I didn't see I didn't no? see that in that particular David okay. Letterman version. But ah. uh, anyway, so there's a couple of options. Uh, so we might settle on one of those, but uh, if you've got any other options or thoughts on that, get in touch. Uh, we also got in, uh, communicated to by a guy called Jimmy Stagger. He's from Boston, Northeast nice. United States. And he's a very much a Twitter fixture. If you've ever had a, a conversation on Twitter about North American Rugby League, he has chat-bombed it. He's like like the, the photo bomber who's just in the background. He'll come in. <laughs> and I say this with great respect because he knows a lot 
about North American sports and especially in the northeast of America. So he's very knowledgeable. And he said he was talking about uh, Ottawa being the destination of Eric Perez's next pet rugby league project. He said, Neville would have guessed it. Only downside I can see is that the Ottawa Red Blacks, who are a Canadian football league team, and Still the, a good name. And the Ottawa Fury FC, a major league soccer team, both used the stadium during the summer period. But it's a huge coup, uh, a coup to bring in an ownership group like Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. And he goes on to say, if you want to put rugby league on the map in North America, team in Montreal, team in Boston, team in New York, boom, stand back. <laughs> his words. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good point. Uh, this Perez, um, This Perez bid has the backing of Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. So... That's like a, a group that owns, you know, professional sporting teams already in Ottawa. So he's he's you know making a good case. And as we said last week, he's already got the license from Hemel Stag. So, oh, it's going to be interesting. I think the uh, I think the bids are listened are heard uh, in April by the I, RFL. I hope to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope they're a little more kind of uh, optimistic than that too. I would like them not to stop. I would like uh, to be at a point where the English competition has more American teams than English teams. That would <laughs> yeah, be I say it was quality. Well, we, I think we spoke last week. Ricky will be uh, he'll be you know leading the bid for New York. So you never know. In two thousand twenty one, might have two more North American teams. We'll wait and see. So that's the mailbag for this week. Hey, mailbag, mailbag, right into prl at outlook If you feel like it, someone please for the love of God. I well, want to might, see something. When it might I... help if we give the right email address. I think it's progressiverl at outlook.com. Yeah, that's the one. Mm. Well, is that the problem? I've been giving it out <laughs> this whole time. I don't think so. I think I've just muffed that one up. Or Twitter or Facebook. Plenty of ways to get in contact with us. Let's have a update that Al usually gives us. Let's do it. It's like Big and me. We like what we see when it comes to French Canadian. Rugby 13. Oh, fantastic. Great to be back, fellas. And Jono, thank you so much for keeping the seat in my absence. Pleasure. Again, really worried that you did a far better job than I ever have. So I'll try and get through this one um, whilst overcoming my intense waves of je- jealousy and insecurity. <laughs> so, Super League. We'll start with the Super League. Uh, so both the babies, no, sorry, only one of the babies had a win over the weekend. Mm. Catalans 26, defeating Leeds 22. Uh, this is kind of interesting because Catalan were down 12-0 after 12 minutes, so a bit of a beat-the-clock situation for the old Leeds Rhinos, but they came over the top um, with a fantastic win, so uh, pretty good to see that. Um, reports beforehand were that this may have been Sam Cassiano's debut for the Catalans. Um, I couldn't actually find the final team list to see if he made the... made, And he definitely didn't score, so he wasn't on the scorers list. So, yeah. Sam, if you're listening, tell us if you played or not. We'd, we'd really love to know. Um I don't normally focus on non-baby uh, Super League teams, but this is Leeds. I think Leeds has only won one t- one game this year, mm. and they've got they've got some couple of like NRL level NRL players. They've got like Conrad Hurrell's there, Trent Merrin yeah. is there. Plus, they're stacked with talent. Does anyone know if Leeds was expected to do anything this year? They were expected to improve from last year. They're in the uh, Super Eights. Uh, oh, sorry, the Middle Eights battle last year. Um, so they're definitely expected to improve under David Ferner. You know, like mm. you say, they got Conrad Hurrell. Uh, they they also got Trent Merrin, Tui Lolahia, who was dropped for that game against Catalan. So, look, um, like I said last week, they're, they're becoming a bit of the Raiders 2018 style of um, of comedy. You know, giving up, you know, solid leads. Yeah. Um, so it's it's unfortunate for those 
Lee's well, I mean, fans. It's, it's the Ferner connection, surely. <laughs> there might be. That's right. Raider <laughs> connection. But it sounds like um, Trent Merrin, he wants out. So. Oh, he's unhappy. Because he's kind of like Does the he, marquee but he, player. But he never wanted to go to England in the first place. Does he want out to go back to the NRL or yeah. to go to another team? He's sounding out St. George Illawarra. He's heard oh, that St. George Illawarra are a bit, a bit light on back rowers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, back row. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for someone who potentially didn't want to go to the, the UK, I mean, he signed a four-year deal, so that's a funny <laughs> way of saying <laughs> How strange. Um, anyway, so moving on, and London have just come off a loss, uh, a 24-28 loss to Hull FC, mm. which, looking at the latter, leaves us with Catalan in sixth place on eight points, uh, which is a fine position to be in. We'd like them to go higher as the season goes on. You never know, they might make the, uh, make, make the finals. Uh, and London are well clear of the relegation zone on ninth place and six points. Um, both teams are outright in their positions, I believe. Um, no, they're not. I take that back. Um, but still, uh, London clear of the relegation zone, which is where they want them to be. Um, John, I have a question for you. Mm, hit me. In this post-Super 8s world, mm. how many Super League teams are vulnerable for relegation in the non-Super 8s format that we're going into? So one, one team gets relegated. So, so at it's the moment, just the one. Yeah, so at the moment, the way we've got to look at London is they're on six points. Last place, Leeds is on two. Mm. So we should really say that London's plus four is at the moment. <laughs> All right, I like that. That's you what know, I'm talking about. In, in relation to the relegation zone. But seriously, they're, they're, not, they're only two points out of the top five. I mean, they're, they're doing very well. The game against Hull FC on the weekend, they were leading at halftime. Uh, then Hull FC got to a, a tidy lead shortly after halftime. London once again came back and almost snatched a victory out of the jaws of defeat. So they're actually... Um, a decent team and, and they're doing amazing things with the roster they have I, I said it last week but I'll say it again kudos kudos well done so okay well London officially in a plus four position yeah the confusing thing is London are one game ahead of almost every other team so they've played eight well, every, yeah. all, well I think all but three other teams have played seven so mm. really they're potentially only plus two depending sure. on, on what happens I don't know how how that really I think a few games were played at different times. I think there was the, the Wigan game against Luke the Roosters. Luke fixtures, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it will still work fixture. out what a Luke yeah. fixture is one day. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move down into the championship. So uh, both the babies are on fire at the moment. Mm. They're doing really, really well. Uh, so Toulouse, 38, defeated poor old Batley Bulldogs, 12. And Toronto have smashed Halifax, 48 to 12. So... Mm. Um, great things there. Both of our teams are sitting first and second. Again, outright in their positions. Mm. Uh, we've got uh, seven, a record of 7-1 for Toronto and 6-2 and for Toulouse. It's six in a row for Toulouse. Like, Exciting times. And Toulouse games is very rare for Australian fans in particular. That was recorded and shown live online on the RFL ooh, Our League website yeah. over did, the weekend. Did you watch it? I did, I did where, watch it. Yeah. Where, where did you watch I it? I watched it on the toilet where I watch all my uh, phone-related uh, rugby league. And I should Is I that should a full explain. 80 minutes, Jono? Uh, no, I only saw about half an hour in <laughs> the right, second okay. half. It was in the middle of the night. Um, Got to eat more Mexican. I should explain why I watched my phone-related rugby league on the toilet. It's because it's it's it gives the least amount of distraction to my lovely girlfriend who's sleeping. So mm-hmm. if, if I have to change the configuration of the rest of the place if I want to turn on lights yeah. and make sure she doesn't cop some lights. So I go to the toilet... And I watched the rugby league. Anyway, <laughs> point being, very impressed. It was, it was a delight to actually see Toulouse, you know, more than just highlights and to see how they actually play the game. Some and structure. I, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of lower grades rugby league in my time in Australia. Probably, I go to more lower grades games in the flesh than I do NRL games. And watching Toulouse play, it's clear to me that I've never seen a lower grade team, when I say lower grade championship team, not part of the top flight, uh, play with such skill. 
Um, these guys really, the focus is on using the ball and supporting each other, support play. Some of the tries they scored, you have to look. One of the highlights of my week is watching the Toulouse um, try-scoring highlights. There is always a cracker, and there was another one again this week against Batley. Um, so really, just kudos to the coach there. I mean, the way... Because most of the... I suppose it comes to the difference between the lower division in Australia and the UK. So in Australia, they're pretty much play, they're trying to ape what's going on in the NRL because yeah. they're generally feeder teams, so mm. they're the first-grade teams. So they you know, do the set plays, the block plays, the second-man plays. Nothing exciting. I've never really seen uh, a lower-grade team play with any panache. But to lose... Because these uh, championship teams are not aligned to a first-grade team, they can do whatever they want. They can have their own personality. And I'll tell you what, Toulouse has personality in space. <laughs> it was a pleasure. So I hope to see them again uh, more often on that uh, Our League app. All right, fantastic. Well, well that's so, refreshing for me because that's obviously what I was looking for in my reflection earlier. Yeah, that's so right. The, the answer is... Get on the uh, toilet. Get on the toilet. It's mo- the answer to most things, I find. <laughs> so, I mean, the exciting thing is, like you said, Big Al, Toronto and Toulouse are on top of the table there. 14 for Toronto, 12 for Toulouse. But it's, it's a, once again, the championship is leading the way in the excitement stakes. You've got um, Sheffield in third place, York in fourth, and then four teams equal fifth, Lee, Featherston, Bradford and Halifax on eight points. And adding to the excitement, <laughs> if you thought that was exciting, wait. Uh, witness, of course, they were docked 12 points a few weeks ago for their um, going to administration. They almost died and they came back to life. It's been an inspirational story. They are now back to zero points. So only eight points out of the top five. And they'll be coming back because they've got a, a strong squad and they'll be part of the, uh, the mix come the end of the season. So you've got eight teams at the moment who are sort of fifth or equal fifth. And you've also got Widnes who are at the bottom of the table and zero points at the moment who are coming for them. So this is a competition to keep your eye on. Can we talk about the logic of stripping a team of points for going into administration? <laughs> I really don't understand that. I know, you should really be like giving them 12 yeah, points. It's like you've gone bankrupt, so like let's make it impossible for you to... to ever bring yourself out of it yeah I mean the the point is I really don't get it (laughs) well I mean if you gave every team 12 points for going into administration every team would just go into administration wouldn't you so I mean the idea is to you know well yeah but going into administration regardless of competition points has its own difficulties anyway (laughs) you can't really you're not in business anymore so no one wants to be into administration why they're trying to they're trying to stop it but it obviously doesn't work is that it's like going into administration is embarrassing so it's, it's not a good look for the game, I suppose. And they're trying to, you know, avoid those situations, yeah. and it, it doesn't really help because it seems like teams are going to administration every every year. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, there we go. Um, so that's what's happening uh, in the sweet baby realm of the mm. English game. But you know, I've got, I've got a, a bit of a Rams uh, info that I just yeah. Love. So do's news, news you can use. Yes. I'm going to develop a song for that one. Uh, but anyway, so the Jews boys have just celebrated a 32-22 win over Featherstone, notching up their second win of the year. Oh. Um, so currently outright ninth uh, on five points. So that's well a pretty done good win to the Jewsbury boys. Featherstone are no pushover. So there you go. Well yeah. done, Jewsbury. Yeah, nice one. Um, so that wraps up the domestic competition news uh, from England. But on the international front, uh, a couple of days ago, the Middle East Africa Championship was announced to be held in Lagos, Nigeria on the 2nd of October 2019. Wow. Uh, so this is going to be a four-team tournament played mm-hmm. between Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon and Morocco. It Ooh. will be the first 
uh, officially sanctioned international rugby league games for Nigeria, Ghana, and Cameroon. Morocco played one eight years ago in uh, the first version of this tournament. Right. So much like the Rugby League World Cup in various stages, uh, I guess this thing is going through um, periods of you know, every eight years, every ten years, every twelve years, whatever. Mm. Um, Do we so, go ahead and assume that they're all quite evenly matched, more than likely? Well, I, I, I don't know. Like, Mor- Morocco actually has a domestic competition mm. um, played between four clubs, so I don't know at what level that's being played at or if that, you know, if, if, the, if the teams are facing administration all the time mm. or all that sort of stuff. But they've got four teams. We've got uh, Nador Akmane, uh, the Black Eagles from Casablanca, Marrakane Asalam from Guelmum, and the South Lions from Burza Khan. So That's brilliant. I mean, well done, Morocco, and well done, uh, you know, the other countries for getting involved with this as well. So uh, hopefully if this goes according to plan, it'll be a regular fixture. And apparently rugby league in Nigeria is, is going through a, a, quite a, a stage of growth at the moment, so that's good news. Yeah. Yeah. What else have you got for us, bro? Uh, that's it. <laughs> that was well, a listen. great update. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I look... I just want to make sure, and I love the the update every week. I just want to make sure that non babies are not getting neglected. You know what I mean? We've got to we've got to throw more non babies in there from That's time right. to time. All right. we well, you, you, there was a specific request for some Halifax news. There was. There, so I'll make sure I come armed with something Halifax related. Thank you for next week. Fantastic. Progressive Rugby League. Well, let's get into some progressive moments, fellas. That's how we end this pod each week. Who'd like to go first? Oh, that's never happened before. John, I would like to go first. Oh, okay. Look, I, I want to. My moments relate to the on-field pillar that we have, which is chuck it around. You know, life is short. I saw a couple of great uh, consolation tries over the weekend, and I want to, you know, I want to glorify the consolation try because it's underrated. Because sometimes when you're getting thrashed by 30, 20 points and the game's over, you know, you can give up. But, you know, these teams did not. I'm talking Manly and the Canberra Raiders. They, t- they scored two lovely uh, consolation tries that were really fine pieces of play on the eye. One by Jared Kroger, and I can't remember who scored for Manly, but it was a length of the field effort. It was in wet conditions. They were throwing it all over the place, and it ended up being a, a lovely consolation try. So I'm going to start a, an irregular segment called Constellation Try of the Year and all of a sudden <laughs> these two teams are leading the way. Right. So well done. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, not to sound unprogressive, as a Tigers fan, I hate the Constellation <laughs> So many times I've seen them lose a game and then score a couple of dumb Constellation Tries at the end and then pretend like everything's all right. <laughs> not good enough, my friend. Anyways. So. Winning secondary, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah. sorry again. I've been on holidays for too long. I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so my progressive moment of the week uh, relates to officiating in the European domestic competition, mm. specifically the French League. So not the championship. Yep. This is the French, I think, what's it called? Elite One, I think? Yeah, anyway, yeah Elite One. Uh, so this week, in the top-of-the-table clash uh, between Saint Esteve and Carcassonne, uh, as part of the officiating team, two of the touch judges will be Spanish nationals. Now, these guys uh, travel from Spain to France each month to work on their officiating skills. Wow. Mm. So... They've been taking part in the Rugby League European Federation's Global Pathway programs for match officials. So mm. this is not just about attracting players to the game, also about attracting officials to the game. For as we all know, if there's no referees, there is no game. Mm. So just uh, 
taking a bit from the RLIF website, uh, using the opportunities offered to them via the Training and Educational Portal, a program organised by the RLEF and supported by the European Union, mm. none other than uh, Andrew and Tony, which is these guys' names, have attended courses in Spain, UK, Italy and Greece. The courses have helped them to officiate games across Europe, including the Under-19 Championship um, and, and last year's European Championship Games, where they became the first officials from a non-traditional country to officiate in a senior international competition. Uh, they're both equally committed to supporting other Spanish officials in their domestic comp. They're running courses, coaching local officials, and of course, officiating games themselves. Oh, that's so uh, well done. I wonder I, if I like this that. is a Brexit sticking point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? Spanish rugby. I'd love to see rugby league kick off in Spain. And, and you think with you know Catalan being called Catalan, uh, you would think they'd you know get some sort of foothold in the in the Catalan region of, of Spain. But um, and of course they've got the big game on May 18 versus mm. Wigan at the New Camp. So. Who knows? One day we might see a Spanish competition, mm. wouldn't it? Or maybe a Spanish entry into the UK system. Oh, <laughs> watch out! Good All one. Right. Well, my uh, progressive moment is progressive for two reasons. Mm, okay. Uh, number one, it's quite Darwinian, and progressive people tend to believe in natural selection, don't they? Uh, I'm not sure. No. <laughs> okay. Well. I'll move on to my next assumption, which is that, um, yeah, the other reason is that it's uh, a bit of administrative chucking it around, oh, which, of yes. course, we love here. Yeah. All about that. Uh, and that is, uh, while everyone else is talking NRL expansion, immortal Andrew Johns is calling for the NRL to have no more than 12 teams in it. Oh, wow. So this was a an article on foxsports.com.au. And, uh, yeah, he says that he still sees a need for one more team in Brisbane and New Zealand Mm. as well inside that 12. So that means there's going to be some culling (laughs) going on. Uh, I think it should be 12 teams, John said to Wide World of Sports. I know from a broadcaster's point of view, they wouldn't be happy with that. But I just think there's not enough talent going around. There's too many teams in Sydney and how they cull them is going to be really difficult. But um, rather than teams bidding to stay in the competition, under John's model, natural selection would determine the survivors. I think they should put the salary cap right up and then it's natural selection. (laughs) Only the strong survive. Uh, If you can't compete or your team goes broke because of bad management or administration, then move them on. Mm. He pinpoint. I won't say this line. I'll say it quietly. He pinpointed the Cronulla Sharks and West Tigers as the two teams that would be in danger under this model. So, um, what yeah. do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, it's against the flow, <laughs> a conversational flow at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, look, there's been a lot of talk actually the last couple of weeks about expansion and relocation. So the question is, it seems the rugby league wants to expand, which is great. We all agree with that. The question is, do they expand to 18 teams or do they relocate a couple of teams from Sydney to those new markets like Perth? and the second Brisbane team. Mm. Um, I, I think, I actually think, and I spoke about it slightly before, talking about Toulouse Olympique, I think there is enough talent for two more teams. I know, like, in an ideal world, look, if you really want to go back to it, let's just play State of Origin and just play the best two teams against each other if you really want to boil it down. <laughs> but really, this is not, not just, okay, r- rugby league and sport is a business, but it's also a game for humans. Mm. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> You know, do you really want to do this to hundreds of thousands, millions of people? Like, would you, how could you do that to people? Yeah. Saying, I'm, I'm getting rid of your team because you, you couldn't spend 20 million bucks on the salary cap. I, I'm kicking them out just because I don't think there's enough quality rugby league players. You know what? So what? It's so much more than, than that. It's fine to stick the salary cap up and say whoever's 
best survives, but no, they're not all starting from the same point, are they? Mm. Well, that's right. Well, what do you, you what do you think, Bigger? Because oh, obviously, West I, Tigers have been mooted I, I, as a potential I, I, relocation I guess club. Why I had to pick on the Tigers? They 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 they're one of the few clubs that returned a profit last year. Anyway, mm. <laughs> um, moving on. I, yeah, uh, I think. The idea has merit. Like, basically what he wants is a 12-team comp with all the current talent pushed into 12 teams. So mm. you get 12 amazing teams yeah. and 12 spectacular... And, like, a whole... 12 spectacular games... Sorry, six spectacular games every single week. But the city market is so fragmented. Mm. Whatever teams you take away won't be replaced with fans. Like, those fans aren't going to go, oh, like, okay, the Tigers are gone. I guess I'm going to go for Parramatta now. It doesn't yeah, work that doesn't way. Work They'll never lost the game forever. As we've learned through the North Sydney Bears example, mm. which John you refer to quite often, once when rugby league goes away, it doesn't come it doesn't back. Come back. A- AFL is ready and willing yeah, to pounce. So, They've got the money. I mean, what I think you got here is the wild world of sports looking to put an article up. That's about it. Spill up. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> all right. Quick, Joey, say something so we can make an article about it. But what about Joey? Is he is he a revolutionary thinker or is he just a crazy maverick saying whatever comes into his head? He's just the guy who said something. I think that's all it is. Like uh-huh. I reckon you probably find a similar article article saying Joey demands for expansion. Right now. <laughs> I, like, and that's the saying. That's, like people say things all the time. Like I'm sure you'd have up on this podcast. I've probably said both of those things at yeah. some point. So it's just it is what that's it is. Right. Um, people do say things all the time. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm I, saying something right now. <laughs> I mean, I agree with elements of it. Like, I agree with expansion, obviously. Um, and I agree with the fact that we can't keep propping up teams that continue to fail. Um, so, look, in the future, if teams fail, then let them fail. But yeah. you can't just artificially create some criteria, you know, basically gunning for people to fail. This is, this is people's lives. They've spent their whole lives enjoying and getting, uh, becoming a part of. It's a community. And just understanding rugby leagues and business and all that, but it's so much more than that. You can't just look at the business side of it. You can't. You would affect the lives of millions of people if you got rid of six teams uh, from Sydney. You're just, you know, ruining lives. All right. Well, ruining lives is pretty unprogressive. So <laughs> I've I've clearly chosen poorly there this week. <laughs> Um, look, if you've got any thoughts on anything we've discussed tonight, get in touch. Mm. Get in touch. Uh, particularly on Twitter, Jono uh, particularly there enjoys a bit of a Twitter tete-a-tete from time to time. <laughs> um, that's my vocal warm-up next week, that, that last beautiful. sentence. But, yes, thank you very much. Big Al, great to have you back. It was, back, it was amazing to be back. Like, what an amazing game. <laughs> How good is it? And we'll be right here next week. Bye all. See ya. See you all in Rugby League We Trust. Ship it.